It's so great to see all of you here today. Thank you for joining us in church. If you're joining us online, I'm imagining I can see your smiling face smiling right back at me. So thank you all for taking a little time out of your week to invest in your faith journey. I don't know about you, but I just feel so grateful to be here today. Can we start with just a moment of prayer, just gratitude and thanks to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together God, to unashamedly worship your name and lift our voices. God, we thank you for the freedom to share your word in public. And God, we thank you. We don't take it for granted. God, even technology, we don't take it for granted. The ability to reach out beyond a screen, to be led in worship, and to learn your word that way. So thank you for this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today I have the honor of wrapping up our series we've been in for six weeks now called Reclaiming Faith. And, you know, Pastor Josh is actually preaching the same message today at a French church in Gonzales. They've been following along in this series as well. So we kind of jokingly said that we're having a little bit of a preach off today. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see who enjoyed it more. I think I'll be the winner in that. Um, but, you know, when we were formulating this series, it really came about because I think we can all agree that in the last year and a half, maybe we felt like we've lost some things, maybe just some normalcy, maybe some peace of mind, maybe we've lost some job confidence, maybe we've lost a loved one, Uh, maybe we've lost just our normal rhythm of life, and maybe you are like us, and you've thought, man, I really would just love to reclaim some things, reclaim some normalcy, reclaim some confidence, reclaim some joy, reclaim my life. But what we quickly came to in preparing this message series is that in order to reclaim our lives, we have to start by reclaiming our faith. Because don't you know that the world will never be 100% certain? There will always be surprises. And God's word tells us that he is the only one that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so because of that, our focus of our series has been on faith. You know, we encourage everyone who's a new believer or maybe just new to reading the Bible to start with three books in the Bible. The first is the book of John, which gives you a great history of just Jesus' time on earth. The second, the book of Acts, gives you a great history of the church, how this body of believers was formed, what God intends it to look like. And then the third would be the book of Romans. Some say it's the Romans' road to salvation. It's basically these great building blocks of the Christian faith. Some really deep truths that we've kind of unpacked over the last several weeks. I'm glad that Pastor Josh had the heavy lifting work of unpacking the deep truths in the book of Romans. And today I get to just wrap it up with some encouragement for you. You know, We've had a key verse that we've started with each week, and it'll be on screen. It's Romans chapter one, verse 17. It says this, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. Would you read the next verse with me? This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Our faith in action gives us hope. And so that's what our aim has been in this series, going chapter by chapter in the book of Romans, is to activate our faith and to bring hope to our here and now. 
As I mentioned, Romans is chocked full of some deep truths. So let me just recap some of the topics we've covered. If you missed any of them, you can catch them online at your convenience. But Paul has really taught us a lot in this book. He's taught us about God's sovereignty, about righteousness, justification. He even deals with our own sinful desires. Then he talks about our purpose in life. And then last week, we learned how to deal with stupid people. I don't know that that's really how Paul stated it, but that's how Pastor Josh stated it. So that was a good one. Today, we get to look at the last two books, and that is the last two chapters, chapters 15 and 16. We kind of started with the deep truths, and I feel like Paul sorts of, he sort of wraps it up with just some simple encouragements. Listen to it in chapter 15, verse 4. Paul says, For everything that was written in the past, all those deep truths, were written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So Paul wants to leave us with two things, endure and it will encourage you. Just endure. You know, this sounds simple enough, but let's read the definition of endurance. They'll put it on screen. Endurance is the ability or strength to continue or last, especially despite, do these things sound familiar to you? Fatigue, stress, or other adverse conditions. I feel like that could be our lives for the last 18 months. Other adverse conditions, you fill in the blank. It basically means to have stamina. So here's the thing about endurance. Endurance is actually pretty easy. It is. It's pretty easy until something takes a really long time. And that's where endurance gets hard. (laughs) The first mile of a race might be easy. Maybe you're a marathon runner, I am not. But I guarantee you, those miles in the middle and towards the end get really hard. We actually have a guy in this church who he's about to run a 100-mile race. How? That is my question, how? Endurance. He didn't know he was going to be an example in this message. (laughs) You know, when I was kind of studying up on endurance for this message, I came across a rule I had never heard of before. Do you like rules? I don't know that I like rules, but I like to know the rules. I want to be informed. And so I came across a rule I had never heard of before, and I wonder if you've heard of it. It's called the 90-90 rule. Has anyone here ever heard of the 90-90 rule? Raise your hand because I want to acknowledge how smart you are. Okay, one person. The 90-90 rule has to do with computer programming. Tom Cargill of Bell Labs wrote this. He said, the first 90% of the code accounts for the first 90% of the development time. That makes sense. Then he said, the remaining 10% of the code accounts for the other 90% of the development time. Y'all follow me? Sometimes that last little bit of a race feels like it takes the strength that the first 90% took. And isn't that life? You know, besides the length of time it takes to endure, there are some things that happen in our life that just make endurance plain hard. 
I'm sure you know of them, but a few that we'll throw up on screen for you. The first is grief. Grief makes endurance really hard. When you experience a great loss, maybe a loved one, a friend, family member, the sadness that you experience every day sometimes leaves you feeling like, I don't know if I can endure this another day. Another thing that can make it hard to endure is hardship, or maybe you'd say disappointment. You know, I spoke with a friend recently who she's like, it's, it's like when it rains, it pours. Have you ever said that? Have you ever had that season of life when it rains, it pours? Maybe you were passed over for a promotion or you didn't get a job and then your car decided to break. Isn't that always the way that it goes? Like that's the progression. And then maybe your kids are having trouble in school and just hardship, hardship at every turn. Here's another one, sickness. Sickness can make it really hard to endure, but I'm not even talking about like the biggest of sicknesses. Have you ever just dealt with a chronic illness, like chronic pain, something that was just nagging and it wasn't going to be the death of you, but every day you dealt with that nagging issue over and over again, and that can really make it hard to endure. And then here's another one, difficult relationships. Maybe you're a parent in the room and it's, maybe you're like me. I said this the other day. I said, I say the same things every single day. Who's the fool? Is it me or them? But seriously, maybe you have a child who is, is having some really difficult behavioral issues or maybe an adult child who's just making some hard mistakes in life. And, and you think to yourself, another day another day of dealing with this. Maybe it's a relationship, maybe a romantic relationship, and, and you've been together a long time, but they're just like that one nagging issue, you know, that always comes up that you've got to discuss. I remember telling Josh in the first few years of our marriage, he would come to me with something and I'd say, this again? How are we going around this same hill over and over again? Sometimes difficulties in relationships can make it really hard to endure. But even if none of these resonate with you today, and I hope, I hope that not all of them do at the same time, the truth is that we live in a world that has sin. And the Bible teaches us that sin causes death. And so these difficult situations will always be present in some shape or form. And maybe that leaves you sometimes feeling like, okay, Amber, I see what Paul has taught us in Romans. I see these chapters of these deep truths and and I believe them. But today, I just feel like I don't have it in me to endure. I know the deep truths. I believe the word of God. But today, I just feel like I just don't have it in me to go on. I want to tell you a secret today. None of us, including the people who stand on this stage have everything within us that we need to endure. None of us do. You see, sometimes we think that endurance is something that we accomplish when we're in a mountaintop moment, when we're at our strongest we can endure. But the Bible just cuts the legs out from under that theory because God himself tells us in his word, there is no one good, no, not one. And in and of ourselves, we can do nothing. 
So that theory goes out the window. Endurance doesn't come from our own strength. None of us have within us what we need to endure. So here's the good news. If you feel like your tank is running on empty today, if you feel like you rolled in here a hot mess, like many of us are behind the veil, it's okay. You don't have to have within you everything you need. God promises you can endure. I wrote a line and they're gonna put it on screen. When we come to the end of ourselves, we still have access to the fullness of God. I'm going to say it again. When we come to the end of ourselves, which we all will, we still have access to the fullness of God. What a beautiful promise. Paul says it to us this way in chapter 15 of Romans, verse 29. He's speaking to the church that he's hoping to visit. He says, I know that when I come to you, I know. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. To which I would agree when that's spoken about Paul, right? (laughs) If anyone's going to come to a church and preach in the full measure of Christ, you would expect that it's a writer of the New Testament, right? When Pastor Josh preaches, I expect he's going to come in the full measure of Christ, But here's the the behind-the-scene look at what's going on with Paul. He has this confidence. He says, I will come in God's full measure. But in the very next verse, it's not going to be on screen. I'm going to paraphrase it in the amber paraphrase. He says to these people, but y'all better be praying for me because these ratchet unbelievers are trying to kill me at every turn. You feel him, right? (laughs) So how, if Paul is facing, he's literally facing death at every turn, I would imagine that would leave you feeling pretty empty, pretty tired, pretty low on energy. But he says, I know that I will come to you in the fullness of Christ. Paul wasn't a stranger to difficulty besides facing death and persecution at literally every turn. He was traveling with very little, basically like a nomad from city to city preaching. He was reliant on the hospitality of believers in each city he went to. Man, if there was ever something that made us feel like we didn't have it in us to endure, it's when we cannot rely on ourselves. When we have to rely on others, we look at that as weakness. Paul was living a life of being completely reliant on the believers in every city he went to. You know, a lot of times when we pray, at least me, I used to pray this way, God, just increase my salary. That would take care of a lot. Just increase my salary. I was unemployed at the time. I was a stay-at-home mom. I mean, really, increase Josh's salary, God. You know what God always did? He provided through another person. Talk about not allowing us to be reliant on ourselves, not allowing us to build up this idea that we're going to endure just in and of ourselves. God provides through others. So Paul was facing the threat of death and persecution, traveling kind of like a nomad, completely reliant on others. And then here's the kicker for some of you. He was unmarried. Mm. 
don't know if Paul would say that being unmarried was worse than facing the threat of persecution, but you know some of you talking to me in between Sundays make it seem like being unmarried is maybe the worst of persecutions. One day you can ask Paul what he thought was worse. So how did Paul say this? What's the secret? I think there is a secret, and kindly Paul shares us the secret in chapters 15 and 16. The secret is this. We must look outside of ourselves for the strength to endure. So just settle that now. If you feel weak, if you feel like your gas tank's low, maybe you feel like we sang in that song earlier that... um, His blood reaches to the highest of mountains and then also to the lowest of valleys. Maybe somebody here today or listening online, you resonated with that. I feel like I'm in the lowest of valleys. His blood reaches there. The secret is, don't expect to have in yourself what you need. We must look outside of ourselves for strength to endure. Paul gives us four ways that we can look outside of ourselves And again, let me say, you don't have to be in a good place to apply these things. I hope that's a relief to someone. You don't have to be in a good place today to apply these four truths to your life. If you apply them, you will find the endurance and the encouragement you need. Even in the midst of disappointment, these four truths will yield a result. Here's how Paul suggests we should endure. Number one... He says, we stay ambitious about the gospel. Isn't that funny that for us to personally endure, Paul suggests we think about everyone else other than ourselves. (laughs) I think Paul knew that others, especially those who are lost, who maybe don't know God's grace and his love and his forgiveness are actually the most important thing on God's mind. He says in chapter 15, verse 17, therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. How interesting that when Paul probably at times felt quite literally at the end of himself, he had the energy to be ambitious about the gospel. I think it's because he looked towards the result. And that is maybe that one person that you invited to church, that you've been praying for for years, who finally had the opportunity to hear the good news and accept it and pray and invite Jesus into their hearts and have their eternity changed. Can you feel how that sort of thing would build up your endurance, would give you the strength to go on? There are about 7.6 billion people on earth. The good news is 2.4 claim to be Christians. The bad news is that leaves about 5.2 billion people who don't know God. So there's plenty of opportunity is what I'm saying. You know, sometimes 
we can all get a little intimidated by the idea of sharing the good news or sharing the gospel. And I think we have more opportunities than we realize. Recently, I was kind of in a new setting, like with a group I don't usually hang with. And I was enjoying these people, but it very quickly became obvious to me that I spend every Sunday in church and they do not. (laughs) They just have other hobbies and activities and church does not fall on that list, which is fine. But it made me chuckle because my thought was, oh, these are so not my people. And yet I'm in this group. But actually what I thought was, oh, I am so not their people. You know, I kind of felt like the outsider. But immediately I felt the Holy Spirit impress upon me. God saying, but they're my people. Whew. You might feel out of place. You might think they're not your crowd, but they're my people. So now what are you going to do? And let me tell you, the answer is not, oh, come stand on a stage. Obviously, we don't all have that opportunity, nor do we all have that desire. I understand that. But what we like to say around here is the greatest way to join in sharing the gospel being ambitious about sharing the good news is to serve. And serving is easy. See, serving is something I can do in that group where I feel like an outsider. I can be encouraging. I can be a good listener. I can occasionally share an encouragement from the word or maybe just go home and pray for those people. Here in One Hope Church, we have people who serve by setting out signs so newcomers can find their way into the parking lot. We have people who rock babies. We have people who teach in our children's services, people who set out chairs. And you know what the beauty of that is? Every one of those people joins in every single salvation prayer that's said in this room and online each week. So sharing the gospel, being ambitious about the gospel doesn't mean you have to preach a message, but I promise you this, getting outside of yourself to serve someone else and give them just the opportunity will give you the energy and the joy you need to endure because you'll be affecting eternity. You know, I've heard it said that a person needs to hear the good news about seven times before they actually make a decision. Are we willing to just be one of them? We might not ever see the outcome, but are we living ambitious about sharing the good news and maybe just being one glimpse to someone of what God is like? You know, recently at one of our um, serve team meetings, a young man who serves faithfully on our team, he said, I just, I feel like I need to share this part of my testimony. And he said, it's really, it's heavy, but it's important. He said, several years ago, I lost my younger brother. He took his own life. And he said, honestly, that broke me. He said, it broke me. I was devastated. And then he went on to say something that was so surprising to me. He said, but serving is the only thing that pulled me out. Serving is the only thing that pulled me out. He wasn't serving here. He was at another church. But, but understand, he was serving in an environment that was sharing the good news. 
He was ambitious about helping other people to make a decision to secure their eternity, to know their God. And that, not the best therapy, not the longest amount of time, not the best listening ear or figuring it all out. Gosh, death never makes sense. Serving, he said, is the only thing that pulled me out. I was so thankful for him for sharing that story and for allowing me to share it with you today. So Paul encourages us, number one, we're ambitious about the gospel. And number two, in order to endure, we pray first. You hear that a lot around One Hope, and you've heard it announced already today, and you'll hear it later, that prayer is so important. Romans 15, verse 13 says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul echoes it in verse 30. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. This was right after he said, I'll come to you in the fullness of Christ. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Paul recognized that A second important thing in getting outside of ourselves to get what we need to endure is prayer. Next week, we're starting a prayer week. It's just a focused week where we can kind of come back to what's most important. And let me tell you what prayer does. Prayer lifts the load. Simple as that. You see, when we talk about endurance and maybe we compare it to running a race, it's one thing to run a race, okay? It's another thing to run a race carrying a heavy weight. Can you imagine that? First of all, I cannot imagine running a race, especially a marathon. Josh says, Amber, you need to be more positive about your confessions. I'm like, I'm pretty positive even if a million dollars was waiting at the finish line, I could not run a marathon. But that's just me, that's a weakness. But if I could imagine running a marathon, I certainly couldn't imagine running a marathon eight months pregnant, carrying some extra weight. But don't you know that's how some of us are running through life? We're carrying this extra weight. Or maybe imagine it's like a weighted vest. Like how many people do you see strapping on a weighted vest to run a marathon? I don't know. Do those people exist? I don't know. I hope not. Why? Because we can all run a certain distance. But we can't endure long under a heavy weight. And prayer is our humble opportunity to come before God, to take off what we're carrying, and to lay it at his feet. Because you know what? It's okay when we come to the end of ourselves because we can experience the fullness of God. That happens so often in prayer. God is not weighed down by the weights that we lay before him. He can, he's the only one who can actually carry the weight of the world on his shoulders. So prayer is so important. So we're ambitious about the gospel. We pray first. And then the third thing Paul encourages us to do to get outside of ourselves and to gain endurance is number three, we fight for unity. 
This kind of seemed like a little bit of an unexpected one to me, but Paul actually takes the first 14 verses of Romans chapter 16 and he's shouting people out. You see, the way we fight for unity is we celebrate other people. We celebrate diversity. We share the wins. We experience joy together. We give shout outs. And Paul does this for 14 verses. He's like, um, praise you, sister so-and-so, and praise you, brother so-and-so, and thank you for your gift and your contribution here. And, and he lists all these names kind of like a genealogy, to which at first I was about to do what I do with genealogies, which is just skim to the bottom. You know, Old Testament. But I read through his shout outs and let me tell you this, they were to people of different races, different religious backgrounds, different heritage and different genders. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for giving us that example. He was fighting for unity at a time when there was quite a bit of disunity in his culture. He says this in Romans 16 verse 17. And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters, watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interest. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. I want you to be wise in doing right and to stay innocent of doing wrong. You know, one sure way to not have the endurance we need to make it to the end is to keep looking inward. We'll be disappointed because we won't find all that we need. But just like being ambitious about the gospel, when we put our eyes on others... We often see their needs, and you know what a lot of times we realize? We can be the answer to their needs. And in doing that, we can join our strength to their weakness, their strength to our weakness, and then we join in each other's joy. We get to join in their joy. And there's nothing better than joy to give us a boost of endurance. Paul goes on to say in Romans 15 verse 7, May God who gives this patience... One version says endurance. May God who gives this endurance and encouragement help you to live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given the glory. When we live in harmony with our community, We get to share in each other's joy and each other's strength. And then the last thing, number four, that Paul encourages us to do in order to endure is to remember this, we win. Nothing like a win on the horizon to give you a little energy, a little boost to make it to the finish line. See, even though I told you I could never imagine running a marathon, I would imagine that for that person who's on the last mile of the race, if they start to envision the finish line and then they envision maybe being the first one to cross that finish line, man... Visualizing that win would sure give you the endurance to make it that last mile. 
With God, there's always an opportunity for a win. Some of you resonated when I said, I feel like I've come to the end of myself or there's nothing left within me. That's okay. Because there's always the possibility of a win with God. Paul encouraged us this way by saying it like this, Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. The God of peace will soon crush Satan. I think all the discouraging situations we've talked about today could kind of just fall under that. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. The job loss, the discouragement, the grief. The God of peace will put it under your feet. You see, the Bible tells us that where there is no vision, the people perish. And so sometimes you have to visualize the win. God promises a win, but in order to build our endurance, we need to visualize it. I was talking with a friend recently who is coming out of a very long, hard season of some abuse, a ton of negative, ne- negativity, just a really depressing time. And, and I told her, and it wasn't of me, I just felt prompted by the Lord. I said, you need to stop right here and you need to visualize what your life will look like six months from now. Free from this abuse, free from this bad relationship, standing on your own two feet on God's shoulders, healthy relationship with the Lord and with others. And as I started to say that, you could just see the hope rise in visualizing the win. You see, we only get to see the wins if we endure. And I love with God that it's never too late for a win. I saw this kind of played out in a funny sort of way this um, softball season. My daughter played on a rec league team, which is just basically like all the kids who live in the neighborhood get to play ball, okay? So skill levels up here and skill levels down here. Everybody gets to play, everybody gets to bat, you know, it's beautiful. And it's entertaining to watch. And so this particular park had just four teams, four girls teams. And the whole season, these four teams played each other just over and over again. Because the skill levels are so vastly different and people are growing throughout the season, what often happens is that in the last week, the playoffs, they call it, now it's still the only the same four teams playing each other again for one more week. But what will often happen is a little team who didn't win a game all season long will win those last two games and they're the champions. They are the champions. But this to me was a great picture of it's never too late for a win. You know, this is a sobering thought, but as Christians, even in death, we win. So if what has been a hindrance to your endurance, maybe fear of death, fear of sickness, uncertainty in our world, take heart. Even in death, we win. In fact, eternity with God is the biggest win of all. I don't think we're going to end up there saying, oh, I wish I was still on earth. Man, those struggles of earth were just better than these streets of gold and communing every day with God the Father. 
heaven is the biggest win. The Lord encouraged me a while back as I was in a situation where I was looking at some health things and had some worry and concern. God said, Amber, you never face the worst case scenario. Oh, really, God? Because <laughs> sometimes it feels like it. He said, no, with me, whether it's your family, your relationship, your health, your job, you will never face the worst case scenario. Because with God, there's always a win. Even in death, there's a win. Someone else's worst case scenario is puts a big period at the end of the sentence. We see a period and then God's there. And then God steps in. When all hope seems lost, He's there and He's there with a win. You know, sometimes people check out on us too soon. They don't endure. Man, what a, what a loss on their part. Don't check out on God too soon. Don't let that be your loss. In His Word, He's built us up in faith. He's given us what we need to endure. And we can be encouraged today because of that. I'm going to read Romans chapter 16 to you. Paul wraps up this time of deep teaching, this time of encouragement. And this is what he leaves us with. He says, now all glory to God who is able to make you strong. Just as my good news says, this message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. But now as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere so that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. What an encouragement and a challenge the book of Romans has been to us. In just a moment, I want to pray for all of us because I know the challenge to endure seems like a big one, but I know God will grace you to do it. But before I get to that prayer, I want to speak to maybe just a couple of you here in the room or watching online that when I spoke about reaching the end of yourself, that really resonated with you. And maybe for some of you, you would say, Amber, I have reached the end of myself, but I haven't known how to reach out to God. I've reached the end of myself and I need something higher, but I haven't known how. Today, I wanna lead you in a prayer. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that we will be saved. And I would love to lead you in a prayer of salvation today. Can we all bow our heads and close our eyes? If that's you and you need to connect with God for the first time, or maybe your relationship with Him has been dormant for a very long time, maybe because you ran out of endurance, let these words of my prayer be your words. Heavenly Father, I need you. I repent for doing life on my own and relying on myself. Please forgive me for going my own way. Please forgive me for sinning against you. Today, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I receive his forgiveness and his hope for the future. God, help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.